You're listening to You Play A What, a podcast by a musician for musicians. My name is Vincent and I play the euphonium. Join me as I sit down with successful musicians to talk about their specialization, inspirations, and career developments. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 48 of You Play A What. I hope all of you are well. The days of home-based learning and remote teaching is once again upon us. I hope all my friends and colleagues are transiting well back into teaching through a screen. I guess this is also a good time to just slow down and get into planning mode again as we come off a rather hectic first third of the year. A good time to just slow things down and look at how we are going to move forward in the next few months. On to today's episode, I spoke to Benjamin Tia, a drummer turned teacher turned percussion repair technician turned custom drum maker. I have known Ben for a number of years but never had the chance to speak to him about his career developments over the years and how he now has a hand in almost all aspects of percussion. In this episode, we discuss his love for rugby, entering fatherhood, his love for all things DIY, including renovating his current workspace, his musical journey, how he started his repair services from his own home, Coburn drums and what they offer, his thoughts about the increased number of school percussion ensembles due to the new SYF regulations, and some of his thoughts about the development of the jazz music scene in Singapore. Enough from me now. Please enjoy this episode of You Play A What with Benjamin. My guest today has got his hands on all things percussion. From performer to teacher to technician and in recent years a drum maker, he really does it all. Sounds like a good person to know if you're a drummer or a percussionist. He specializes in jazz drums and has been involved in several music festivals in the region. And we all know if you're able to play jazz, the classical and band stuff is a walk in the park. Welcome to the show, Ben. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on board. Uh, no problem at all. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out to chat with me. And I think, no problem. You know, I, I have known you for, I think, quite a number of years but our interactions are, are very sparse, right? We, are very, we have very few interaction <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for the amount of time that we know each other. So uh, I'm actually really looking forward to learning more about you and also how you have crafted out a career for yourself. So uh, before we get into the serious stuff, uh, I believe I have spotted you in particular football jerseys. And if, oh yeah, yeah, and, and I remember correctly. And if memory serves me right, uh, you follow a particular football team in the north of England um, that hasn't won in the last nine years. I think it was probably more rugby. Right? It's rugby. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. So, I think so. Yeah, but do you follow any football teams actually? Not, not, not too much. Be more into rugby in uh, recent years. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah just that, watching. Yeah, my memory must have like completely <laughs> failed me. Yeah. So, uh, uh, do you follow the uh, Nations League, or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right now, because there's no like uh international matches, mm. so it's pretty much all just 
club matches and stuff. So I still do watch like highlights and stuff. Okay, right. Do you follow like the the English league or do you follow the Australian league or? Uh, more the New Zealand and Australian league right now. Mm, okay, nice. Right. Well, the the conversation needs to stop here because I know absolutely nothing about rugby, <laughs> <laughs> except that it was actually quite quite a big thing. Like they have the six six nations. Uh, competition. Yes, right? yes, in yeah. England. Yeah. Yeah. So that when I was living there, that was quite big, and you see that the people start taunting each other, you know, like yeah. the, the Welsh taunt the English, the English taunt the Scottish. Uh, yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting to watch. <laughs> yeah, and a uh, a thing that they say about uh, rugby is that it's a it's a hooligans game for gentlemen, and yeah, then yeah. they call football the gentlemen games for hooligans. Which, yeah. yeah, which I think is quite interesting. I mean, yeah, if you know both games then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The match itself, it's, it's very physical. But actually, uh, after the matches and during the matches, like there, there are no riots, there are no rowdy people, mm. no fans throwing glass bottles at each other, right? So... Yeah, uh, there isn't. Yeah, as compared to football, which is uh, a little bit different. Yeah. You know, whoever's watching the game, they can sit beside an uh, opponent's team and, you know, they'll still be cool with one another. So I think that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe they also control their alcohol intake before they enter the match, right? <laughs> <laughs> that could be a thing as well. Probably. Yeah. Okay. So t- to the more uh, serious things that maybe people listening who actually care about, uh, of course, uh, the recent pandemic situation in Singapore is a little bit of a deja vu for most performance groups. Uh, it's like we are back to square one, although one year or about one year has passed. And I know that you had a pretty busy 2021, right? So is this next one month a good break for you, although not quite on our own terms? Or are you still busy? Yeah, I guess I'm still, you know, I'm fortunate to still have work. I mean, I think a lot of the performing arts people are really heavily affected. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think the early part of 2021, there's a lot of teachings and because uh, fortunately, SYF was on, which is great, I think. Uh, yeah, but right now it's just back to, you know, doing finishing up repairs, whatever backlogs there are, mm. you know. Time seems to be going past quite quickly and maybe it's, uh, for me at least, because like you said, it's busy because we're SYF, there's quite a lot of work every day. Mm. Uh, what have you been busy with uh, for 2021 apart from, you know, teaching? Have you got other things going on in your life at the moment? Uh, yeah, I just, just had a kid, so... Nice, so congratulations. Quite, uh, hey, thank you, thank you. So, I mean, that's that's been keeping me a bit busy as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. How, how's fatherhood treating you so far? Oh, it's been good, it's good. Uh, no no eyebags yet, so that that's good. Okay, right. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about that and uh, later on in the conversation. Uh, But uh, work-wise, has there been any new developments or new projects that you've taken on or are aiming to take on Mm. for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think quite. uh, um, I think in twenty twenty one, we start. I started like uh, renovating a little bit of office uh, on my own, um, just to create a bigger space. Uh, I mean, because I'm quite a D- DIY person, so I mean, renovation is always expensive. So right. if I can do it on my own, that's the best. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been been busy with that, expanding the space for kind of a percussion studio. Okay. Um, 
yeah, I think I've been gathering some instruments and stuff, and and I think that's pretty important because I think that 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 that's pretty much lacking in the scene at this point, which is having a space to access any time that you need, right. you know, to practice. Mm. Because just, um, I think in regards to percussion, it's not something that you can bring home unless it's a snare drum. I mean, yeah. if you talk about a marimba or timpani, it's going to be mm. no way you can put it in your place, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I, I guess with most things in Singapore, real estate is always a problem, right? Uh, we, mm. we struggle it's with space, we struggle with uh, high rental and things like that. And I think if, yeah. you can, if you're able to provide a space that people can come in, book and use the percussion instruments there, uh, that'll be really uh, quite a game changer. Mm. Yeah. So so pretty much that's what we've been doing. I, I think this throughout this uh early twenty twenty one, which is to, you know, get the instruments going, uh, you know, letting people use to practice, uh who whichever kids that have, you know, ABR exam mm. exams because I think ABRSM has moved digital. I think you have to now send in your recordings online. Yes. Uh yeah, and, and because schools were on early you know, in the early part of the years, they were in lockdown and stuff, and it was still ECCA. Right. Uh, I think with regards to that, you know, it's tough to get mm. a, a video space for instrument. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Cool. How do you balance your work and relaxation? Do you have any particular hobbies that you pursue quite seriously? I, I mean, I'm g- getting quite uh, into this thing about hobby and how having a alternative output that is in contrast with the work that we usually do can help us yep. reduce burnout and not feel so jaded about the work that we do. Yep. Right? So I'm just wondering if you have mm. any of these hobbies that you pursue. Uh, I think it's just probably to watch some like, you know, rugby games or just hang out with friends. Mm. Uh, I think, I think the hanging out with friends do play a very, very huge part. Okay. Uh, you know, in terms of your stress relief mm. or, you know, just stuff that you, you just want to do aside from, from music. I mean, music is fun, but, you know, you can be quite burnt out, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, if you, you talk 24-7. So you just like to hang out with friends that, you know, just talk about food and, mm. and random stuff, you know. Yeah. And that's nice. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and do you think that your... Your interest in DIY is also like an alternative source of getting your mind off the work that you usually do? Or do you see your DIY projects as something that is like related to work? Uh, Yeah, it's kind of related to work. But uh, yeah, it's still fun at the same time, you know. You know, when we build, when we can build a studio and, you know, kind of, you know, add your own acoustic panels and stuff like that, then, mm. you know, uh, it helps, you know, kind of adds on to what you're doing in terms of the the music part of a job, you know? Yeah, yeah. And were you someone that is interested in DIY since a very young age? Were you like in obsessed with Legos and things? I guess my dad, my dad's a bit of a DIY guy. Mm. Uh, you know, my, my dad does like a lot of this machinery stuff. So a lot of stuff, I used to, you know, follow him to work and stuff and okay. visit workshops and stuff. I see. Yeah. 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 So I, I I don't know. I guess, you know, I I was never really interested in what my dad does, but I guess it's, it's sort of like a, a co- it does have a correlation, I guess. Mm. That you see that happening, right? That it's actually like a normal thing to do. 
yeah. that you can, can construct and build your own things. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm absolutely I useless if you give me a saw that's like I can't even <laughs> saw a straight like cut something like a right line. smack in the middle. <laughs> you know, it'll be like sixty degrees or something like that. Something ridiculous. Let's talk a, a little bit about uh, fatherhood and how yep. uh, things are. Uh, how old is the child? Uh, it's now turning four, four months. Okay. How, how do you think that has informed you as a, as a person in your own personal growth now that you have to care for somebody? Uh, I think time is definitely shorter. Right. <laughs> uh, for, that's for sure. But I guess, well, I just got to manage time uh, even better now. Mm. Uh, but, but it's been good it's been good as in it's a lot of uh, self-discovery and stuff yeah. of, of, of the baby and, and also dealing with your emotions and stuff but it's been good it's been good so far mm. yeah at, at which point did it become like extremely real to you that you're going to become a father oh I think from the get-go right <laughs> <laughs> with the first one because I mean uh, it's quite you know being being uh, musicians ourselves you know we're so used to sleeping uh, late at night mm. and you know, practicing late at night and, and suddenly those, you know, timings have been reversed because now you got to get the kid to sleep early or you're not getting enough sleep. So I think probably the first first two months was pretty tiring. Mm-hmm. For yeah, sure. But now, it, now it's been stabilized, so it's good. Yeah, and feel free to answer this and take it anywhere that, that you want. And if you don't want to talk about mm. it, it's also fine. Now that there is an uh, extra member in your own family, Financial-wise, do you feel like all of a sudden spending power becomes different? Do you feel like you have to control a little bit more? Do you, yeah. What, what any restrictions there? Any shift oh, in mindset? De- def- definitely, I think. I think in the, you know, when when we decided to have, that we wanted to have a kid, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, financial planning that comes with it mm. about how much you spend, etc. And I think those those are very important, you know, stuff that we need to talk about. Mm. And not just, you know, uh Yeah, see how later, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's quite quite a huge struggle, you know, because uh at least for for myself in the other part earlier parts of like just gigging, I you know, you're just li- literally living from paycheck to paycheck and that that's quite hard to mm. to think about and that's quite tough. La. Yeah, exactly. It's a tough one. Yeah, I I think one of the downside to to having a freelance career is exactly what you just mentioned, right? The mm. how how things are not gonna be the same every month. Yeah. And makes the, the planning extremely difficult. And then when you get work, it feels bad that you have to turn it away. Because yeah you firstly you don't know whether this uh, same job is going to come back to you. And secondly it's like if I don't work more now what's going to happen in three months' time, what's going to happen in six mm. months' time, right? Would exactly. I, yeah, would I regret not just working harder now since that, like, you know, in a couple of, uh, couple of months' time, the schedule is not going to be as busy? Yeah, totally. I think general fi- financial planning, important for everyone, but yeah. particularly important for freelancers. Yeah. yeah, the saving is really important. Correct, especially when the, the, the money comes in so sporadically, right? Over the yeah. over the month. Well, I think our biggest problem is always gear. <laughs> nah, yeah, reinvestment <laughs> to the work again, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because you know, better gear equals better sound equals uh, more gigs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we we hope that way anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, and uh, let let's now talk about uh, how and where we first uh, met. Do you have any recollections of this? 
ah, oh, I think it's quite a while back. So. <laughs> it is quite a while back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I can't re- really remember when. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, I I, I think um, we went to, we started our higher music education at around the same time. Maybe about, yeah. if not the same year, maybe one year apart. And there was yeah. just, uh, you were just across the road at LaSalle. Correct. And I was at NAFA. And, NAFA. Yeah. And then there were just a couple of mutual friends, right? So yep. I think friends that yeah, you went to school with in secondary school, uh, yep. they were studying there and they were hanging out in yep. the area. And then we would just like, uh, sometimes I just see you maybe hanging out with them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but I mean, like I said, we, we hardly spoke. We hardly interacted with each other then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, we briefly met probably. Then. Yeah. So it, I kind of started from there and then probably spoke a little bit more after I returned back from the UK. And then we were yep. teaching in the same schools and then we spoke a little bit more from there. Yeah. Things like that. That's generally the, the, the summary of our uh, interactions and relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's always quite hard because like, you know, if you don't play your the same instrument, you know, generally it's quite hard to, yeah. to meet or if you don't play in the same band back right. then, then. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also you were going towards this uh, other trajectory of more of the, the jazz uh, gigs mm. and, and things like that when I am like euphonium is like the anti-jazz right not quite like that no, 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 no. <laughs> but, we, but we have no place there right yeah, yeah so definitely well, you do in or- bigger groups I guess yeah yeah there's a there's a slight like rift there in, in where we were playing and things like that yeah yeah and uh, now could you just share with us how your musical journey began how you got acquainted with music and how things grew to where they are today? Oh, I think, uh, you know, I started my music journey in school band. Mm. I was from St. Andrews and I think from, uh, I actually never knew that, uh, you know, St. Andrews was a, you know, not too bad band. Right. You know, I just, you know, I when I was in St. Andrews, all I wanted to do was actually to join the rugby team. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I... I Never occurred in my mind to, to join the band, mm. to be honest. But uh, well, when I was there and I actually uh, went for the trials in rugby, uh, I was very small then. I was about uh, shorter than 1.4 uh, No meters. way. 1.4? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, so when you a, first entered secondary school? Yeah, when I was sec one, I was really short. Right. So when I, was, when I went for the trials and everyone just looked like giants to me, you know? Okay. So, so I mean, in... Cut the story short, I didn't make the mark. So mm. obviously I, you know, looked at somewhere else because uh it was quite intimidating to be so small in a rugby park, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's where where I started. I started uh with school band because back in then I was, you know, just playing the drum set a little bit. Mm. Uh, uh, on your own? Like you're learning drums on yeah, your own? Yeah, yeah, just really ba- uh just basic, 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 basic beats. Okay. Uh, yeah so yeah so you know I thought okay maybe let's just try joining the school band because I, I play a bit of drums and yeah I guess the interest really grew from there mm. you know because we would do quite 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 a bit of pop pieces I think back back then right and we got to travel overseas and, and you know all the fun stuff uh, that you used to be able yeah, to do yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we were looking yeah. at you know bands in Australia and America and mm. well it was fun and it was really fun you know performing to an audience and I, I guess that really really kind of spurred me on uh, to do music mm. after that talk to us how things changed when you went to La Salle was it what you expected 
after you left secondary school? And was it a difficult oh, decision for mm. you to go into uh, like higher music education? Were there resistance? Yeah. I, I didn't think I have a lot of, uh, had a lot of resistance. Uh, I, it was actually my parents pretty sportive of you know me doing music uh well but at, at the time you know when you're secondary school you probably wouldn't be thinking of whether i can earn a living out of this you know you, you're just <laughs> doing because it's a it's a passion project yes in the, yeah. at the get-go yeah uh yeah so i i i think the biggest challenge moving into la salle was quite a huge change um i think because being in school band we were just told how to kind of read notes mm. you know uh whereas you know from the f- this, there, there were a lot of interpretations in in la salle there was very uh there were sight readings but um often often a interpretation of music a lot of improvisation mm. you know and, and coming from a school board a uh, school band perspective you know we were very used to reading notes yeah. i guess mm. so 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 that was quite a huge change, you know, and and suddenly you realize that you actually have to open your ears more mm. in terms of listening to music, yeah, uh, and not just play what's what's on the score. So mm. that's quite a huge. I, I I don't know for personally for me it was a huge thing because that's very different from your training in secondary school. Yeah, yeah, it's like working another set of muscles altogether, right? That yeah. you have to react to whatever that's going on. Or you need to anticipate what's going to come up and things like that without exactly, yeah. proper instructions like the black and white on the pitch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would you say like, uh, like, like we mentioned just now, you had friends mm. also studying in NAFA and I'm sure you also made friends with the percussionists that were studying at NAFA during your yeah. time. What do you think are some of the, the differences between what these two schools offers apart from you doing jazz in La Salle? I think it's... I think it's pretty similar as in the amount of work that you have to put in on either genres is is immense and I think it's a lot of a lot a lot a lot of hours that you have to put into uh, both sets of instruments I think it's uh, whether you do classical or jazz I think it's equally tough uh, you know I, I wouldn't say which uh, certain genre is tougher or anything but I just think that it's both uh, physically demanding mm. for for both the genres, uh, well, but I I think w- when you learn, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of people just think that you know playing drum set is uh simple because you just go there and whack. But then <laughs> there's really a lot of a lot of a lot of things that you have to work on. But likewise, likewise for you know, uh, classical percussion per se, you know, you talk about crashing a symbol, you just crash the symbol. Mm. You talk about playing a triangle, it's just hitting a triangle. But you know the the back end of the work in terms of practicing, uh, it, it, there's a lot of hours that, that come from it, you know. So, so I would say that it's pretty similar in terms of the practice regime and and appreciating, uh, each other's instruments. Mm. You know, let's right. say I wouldn't say that that one is harder or, or easier. It's it's both probably very difficult. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and and I guess it's much more nuanced when you dig into the details, right? Rather than yeah, yeah, just seeing it from a third person point of view with absolutely no knowledge of how things work and and the differences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the entire process was it smooth? Did you have good relationships with people in the school? Yeah, I, I think it was it was really good. I think the performance experience and and 
being in uh, being in Singapore, the great part of it is that because we are very small, the community is also very small. So I mean, you know one person, eventually you know the next person, and then eventually that 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 snowballs, and and you kind of know the whole scene. And I think that's very good because, uh, because we are very close knitted scene because the music community is actually really small mm. in Singapore. Yes. Absolutely. So I mean to 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 have a lot of uh because of that and I think most of the lecturers uh are in LaSalle it's very common for teachers to play with students and students to jam with teachers and I think that's fantastic because mm. uh you know you you might not have that opportunity like somewhere else yeah uh you know where the top the top guys are, are also teaching in your school mm. yes Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that 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 was really good. Mm, yeah. And I think there's there's something to be said about seeing your teacher in action doing it. Yeah. As compared exactly, to yeah. your teacher uh, giving you instructions. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because you reach a point and you'll be like, you know, is this guy like for real? At, at least for me, right? Sometimes I'll be like, thinking, yeah. you know, you, you you stand there around for like, you stand around there for like an hour, you tell me things, but I've never heard you play before. Yeah, I don't know whether exactly. I can trust you or not, right? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but once you, if, if they are regularly engaging you with uh, the actual practice of doing it, and then you're hearing all this like good high level or good quality playing all the time, and it'll be like, yes, of course I trust you, right? <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly I yeah. see you know because the proof is always in the pudding so yes exactly so I mean it would be good to to always see them play or, mm. I mean to have some kind of validation for, for, for that matter you know mm. that, that you're on the right track and stuff like that yep so uh, life after LaSalle what was it like uh, well I, I like like all I had to you know go to NS mm. uh, a favourite part before. of our life right yeah, well, I was quite lucky because, like, like, uh, I was in the police band, so that 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 re- that really helped because mm. you know being able to still practice in NS is uh, luxury. Mm. Uh, you know, whereas some of our peers and friends, you know, they have to take a take a Slog break for two years. Yeah. you know, mm. and, and not practice. So that yeah, so it's been good for me, I guess, when when I was in the police band. Uh, you know, there was so much time to practice that it was good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I and I came back to do my degree after that. Yeah. Mm. And and I think the the genre that you were also doing in the police band was quite kind of up your alley as well in a way. Mm. Right. Similar. Yeah. yeah. As, as, they were, I mean, they were doing some, uh, doing some reading work, you know, and mm. a, a lot of uh, combo pop stuff as well. Right. Uh. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so definitely the. Whatever that, we, that I practice, you know, mm. definitely put into practice. Yeah. And uh, talk about how you approach your your learning in your diploma years. Now, mm. two years of national service. Now you're back doing your degree. Any sort of mindset shift from the diploma years? Do you approach your work a bit more seriously or differently now that you're uh, doing your, your degree? Yeah. Talk, talk to us about the changes. I think it's quite interesting because uh, I remember someone telling me, you know, after you've progressed through the years and you listen back to your old recordings or, or playing of your, of your of yourself, and you, and if you still like it at current day, then then that then that seems to be a problem, mm. yeah. you know. So, <laughs> right. So, 
So, well, when I was in my degree, uh, and I was actually listening back to some of my recordings in, in a diploma, I was like, ah, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, you know? The cringe, right? That moment. Yeah, yeah it was just, just like, like, oh man, I cannot believe I did that. Mm. So, I guess that, that that really kind, you know, it's also saying that, you know, you're starting to to, to get better and and the things that you thought was cool and or good, you know, you, you have a different thought process on, on, on what, it, what, what sounds better now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And were you uh, approaching your work uh, differently were you now dedicating uh, were your practice sessions more structured uh, as compared oh, to before were, were, yeah, because we've been through two years of uh, a more uh, rigid structure and lifestyle right so I mean yeah. in secondary school we also had that but it's like for once when we enter uh, this new school in uh, yeah. like higher music education right there's freedom right if class don't yeah. start till 11 you're free right you don't yeah. have to be in school before that you can if you want to but you don't have to yeah. be and then yeah after that we go back to this very rigid lifestyle again where we wake up the same time we go back home about the same time every day yeah so yeah. do you think that having this structure for for the two years again benefited how you approach your degree year uh not really mm. i think i think in any kind of uh higher education, you know, there's also, I mean, any kind of degree or, or diploma, you know, the, the things that you probably wouldn't like to do, but, you know, you have to just find time to do it. Mm. Uh, very similar to, to being an NS, you know, you know, given a choice, I would just want to practice, but, you know, sometimes it's parades and yeah. stuff. Not the most favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, in, in degree, you know, you've got some of your writing stuff that, that you know, didn't, didn't really like to doing that. Yeah. But, you know, you just have to find time to to do those mm. to finish your degree. Right. So, so I guess time managing those and also trying to balancing, mm. trying to balance out uh, what what you need to do. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then now, now the fun part, right? Now, uh, finishing your degree, coming out mm. to what we call the real world, finding work and things like that. So, uh, how many years ago was that when you finished your your degree? Oh. Uh, uh, I think about six, six, seven years. Right. Okay. Was it about that? Yeah, I think so. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Talk us through this uh, six, seven years and how your work has changed or grew. Uh, I, I think that, you know, graduating, there's still, when I graduated, I think I was still having gigs and stuff. Mm. Uh, and, and that was, I guess, pretty sufficient at, at that point of time, you know, to survive. Uh, but like you say, it's not, it's not uh something that's set in stone every month. You know, you're gonna get X amount of gigs. You know, uh, but being being in the contemporary scene, I guess you know there or being in a, as a percussionist, you know, you get uh probably a little bit more gigs than the rest because uh, uh and the rest as in like you know as compared to say the, my friends in the classical side, uh, because we have drum sets, you know, you do a bunch of reading musical gigs as well. Mm. Uh, so I think the reading gigs and then there's also the improvisational gigs where, you know, you can play drum set or you can play cajon. Yeah, that really helps, I guess, mm. in terms of uh, survivability. And, right. Yeah. yeah. Were there any form of uh, anxiety when you were going to leave school? 
Uh, I guess so. Yeah, for sure. As in, because you you don't know what, uh, you know what what the scene is going to be. I mean, back in my head, I was just thinking, you know, just to gig and no one's looking for a full time job yet. Mm. I wasn't really teaching as much as well. Right. Just gigging, gig, gigging and practice, gigging and practice. Mm. You know. So yeah, I guess it was. It was tough thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The. Yeah, I mean, th- these are things that we will tend to put off, right, during our uh, studies because yeah. they are very difficult questions to answer but really yeah. quite essential in shaping uh, the career that we have and the work that we do. Correct. Right? Yeah. Now, uh, let's talk about one of the many things that you do in your portfolio, which is uh, repair work as a yep. percussion, uh, percussion repair technician at uh, P-Works. So, mm. did you have any interest or experience in percussion repair prior to mm. joining them? I think back, I think back, back when I was in uh, secondary school, you know, uh, I was probably, uh, you know, repairing like the instruments that we had. It was quite ghetto lah. I mean, you, we would probably just figure it out. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I don't find so much nowadays uh, uh, kids really doing that, getting their hands dirty, or just figuring out. I mean, back then they, they weren't they weren't uh repair companies for percussion. Right. Uh, yeah, and I mean, we just and the instruments weren't great. We just had to get used to using whatever instruments that we had mm. and survive out. You know, survive it out for four years. Yep. Uh, I mean, I never had uh any tu- form of percussion tutorship. Uh back in secondary school mm. it was all for my seniors and right you just had to figure out how to solve this problem on your own mm. so lots of tape they're, they're, and things like that right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or learning how to do like screw or hammer something back mm. back to shape you know yeah. so i guess I, I i i don't know i guess i guess it's from there mm. yeah and what made you take this first step to actually be like you know what i'm gonna go into this uh, full time uh, yeah I, I guess when I was first trying it out I wasn't sure whether it would be something that was feasible mm. so I mean before having the office and stuff like that you know people would be sending their timpanis to my house <laughs> so I'll be repairing my timpanis yeah because I you know it wasn't you know we didn't have enough funding right. to, you know even yes. have an office yeah. you know we your, just your parents must eat. really love you <laughs> I was, yeah. Well, I mean, you were doing. I was repairing the Japanese in the, my living room, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was quite a tough one, you know. Then sending the Japanese one by up, one by one in the lift, you mm. know. Whereas now my office lift, you know, we can put four Japanese in and just yeah. load up the cargo bit, mm. cargo lift, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's a lot of trial and error, and mm. you know, really trying to research to get better. Uh, I mean, just across the world, I mean, there's a lot of good friends that I have that that that, that do repairs mm. uh, or they, they do a lot of percussion repair and, and they're really uh, ready to share the, the knowledge and mm. stuff. And then that's really good because, you know, in, in return, you know, I, I get to learn it as well and, and I get to share what I know as yeah. well. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think yeah. most of the time the, the community the community out there is a lot warmer than we we think it is. Than we think, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, unless you are in some sort of like cutthroat financial 
uh, investment firm. Yeah, that's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where you're talking about large sum of money, but when when you're something about when you're talking about things like craft related work, yeah, most of the time the community is more than willing to share their experiences with you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm. Since working as a technician, can you list like? three of the most common repair work and problems that you have to solve? Oh, probably timpani repairs. Okay. Uh, and what, what about common that? Ones. Yeah. Uh, just the pedals going really loose. Mm. Um, the wheels just breaking off mm. or, you know, just mishandling of the instrument really, that's quite quite a huge one. Okay. Uh, snare drum, you know, the on and off levers, the throw off, the, that's what they call it. Mm. You know that that's always constantly loose. Yeah. You know. Uh, and on and off, we we, we get some like a uh, xylophone tuning because the bars do run out of tune. Okay. And stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the the those are those those are within the uh, not within the means of students lah because mm. they can't control that. Right. Yeah. So. Then that that's very interesting. What what do you mean by like the the xylophone bars go like run out of tune? Are they not like uh, so built for life? They are. Uh, they are built. To, to remain in tune, uh, but, uh, but not not for life, not okay. for life for sure. So they do run out of tune, you know, depending on on where you are in in, in the country. In Singapore, uh, most of the time it goes flat because of our humidity, and and if if you're in UK or or, or America, it's probably gonna go sharp because it's very dry. Mm, okay. The weather. So, I see. so there's a lot of variables. Uh, but but that being said, uh, it's not. You know, it's something that 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 is everywhere across the world because with any wood product, you know, uh, it expands, it contracts. So having to tune it once in a while, it's it's it's, it's important now because when you play to an with a wind ensemble and you're mm. you're out of tune, it's not something that you can control by pulling a lip pipe <laughs> out. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's important. What do you have to do to tune up this xylophone again? If you don't mind me asking. Uh yeah, there's a lot of like sending, but there's like particular uh areas that you have to send. Okay. There's certain areas that you have to send, mm. and and the bunch of tools that you have to to get. Okay, so basically you, know, you uh, are, are we looking at like thinning out the the block, the bars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, certain areas would would flatten it. Certain areas would sharpen it. I see. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's not something students can do because mm. it's it's uh yeah. Yeah, interesting. It takes a while to understand it. Mm, for sure. And I guess it has to be precise, right? It's a bit like piano tuning in a way. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to to yeah. sort of like do this halfway and then, mm. you know, one one side in four four two, one side in four four zero or something like oh, that. Oh, that's that's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean it does happen uh, you know, when when you when you travel overseas or when you go, you know, after a year, it, it does run out of tune. Mm. You know, and, and it's just the nature of the instrument yep. and Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh wear and tear, right? As they say. Yeah. If you use it for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna happen. And now like when I was in secondary school, uh my school don't actually have a proper band room. So a lot of times mm. we had to shift the percussion instruments from a storeroom to the rehearsal venue. It's not too yeah. far away. We have to wheel it for a, a, a relatively short distance. Does this like make you have some form of anxiety when you hear like students have to move these instruments oh, def- <laughs> every definitely. single practice? Oh, definitely. That's that's super tiring. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, it's very tiring for the percussionists, but I guess uh, that's probably the whole. Uh, yeah, it's quite sad because a lot of schools that I go to, you know, the band rooms are in at level four, mm. and they don't have a lift. Or if, even if they have a lift, the lift is really small. Yeah, you know, and and at the end of the day, the students have to carry it down. Mm. Uh, why I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, to me, the most logical to be at level one. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, not the case for all schools. Mm. Yeah, because just the constant moving is is pretty tiring. So uh, apart from the physical labor, constant moving of percussion instruments does it affect the longevity of the instruments? Well, it, it really depends on how they how they move it. Okay. If you're constantly having to move, like I I know certain schools, you know, they constantly have to wheel it past the car park, uh, which is a very rough gravel floors. Mm. That's going to affect because uh, your wheels are definitely going to run out f- way faster than, say, any other school that's building on a cemented floor. Mm. Um, yeah, so th- those wheels do get worn out faster and that in turn spoils the instrument faster. Mm. Right. Yeah. And well, I mean, there's kind of no way around it unless unless you have a permanent space, right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, which, yeah. Which some schools might be tough to do. Mm, for sure. Yeah, or you can find a route whereby it's all sort of like nicer terrain, right? That doesn't. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's not so. Yeah, bumpy. if it's through the car park, it's always very tough. Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess like it must, it must hurt some part of you when you look at this happening, right? Like, yeah, you, you know the obvious problems, but there's no way around it, and then you just see it happening yeah. in front of your own eyes. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a tough one. Mm. As much as you are a technician, and yeah. obviously your money comes from uh, repairing uh, damaged mm. uh, instruments. Uh, it must be heartbreaking to be receiving poorly maintained instruments or extremely damaged instruments, right? So after you, you work on these things, have you do you think that it's important for you to educate whoever that sent the instrument in, schools or individual, about how they can take care of the instrument from that point Definitely. Uh, I think whenever I send it, send the instruments back to schools, uh, typically I ask the teacher or student, you know, to to be there so that I can show them how to take care of the instrument or mm. what to do when you're not using it, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. But there are too many factors. You know, some of the stuff that you know, if you're the schools that you know have very limited space and they probably just have a music store. Mm. Uh, you know, and all the instruments are in there, and it's dusty. It's very humid. You know, mm, okay. There no, there no covers. You know, it's not like instrument. Uh, say, you know, clarinets where you have a case. Mm, yes. Yeah. So, so it's tough because, uh, you know, it always comes to budget and stuff like that. But I mean, it'd be good. You know, if if all the instruments have a case, mm. then we can protect it from you know, from it being bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and how much does humidity affect percussion instruments? Huge. Right. Huge because uh you know, most of our instruments or most of the percussion instruments are made of wood, mm. metal, uh or if not the drum heads, you know, even though they are plastic but they are still you know, they get affected when the temperature changes as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it's a tough one to regulate, right? This humidity thing. Yeah, especially it's a tough, in Singapore. Tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I, I unless you have a dehumidifier, then that's all good. Mm, yeah, I, I remember like, you know, having 
all these like thirsty hippo, these sort of dehumidifier things oh, in, yes. in my, my band store when I was still yep. studying. And then they would just like run out in days. Yeah. Right? It's insane. Yeah. So it, it really shows, I mean, it's a huge space and yeah, to, to have it like, you know, just run out so quickly. Yeah, it's really humid in Singapore. Yeah, I, I find that it's always challenging, right? Um, I Maybe it's uh, it's the way I see uh, Singapore. But uh, we, we grew up in this idea that uh, <laughs> if we do something wrong, we pay for it uh, financially yeah. or uh, by the law, uh, whatever it is. Uh, a lot of times, people don't understand the importance of why we do certain things except for the punishment that is being handed to us. So obviously, yeah. uh, like recently, they gave out a new order, right? That oh, if you don't return back your trays and your food, uh, like your plates and stuff like that, in a hawker yeah. center, you're going to get yeah. fined, right? Yeah. But then that's really not a point. Right? The whole point is to yeah. have like quicker turnover of tables so that you go there and you have like clean tables to use and, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But when you smack on like it's $300, then that becomes the whole point, right? Because I yeah. don't want to pay that $300. So I'm going to put my exactly. plates back. Yeah. So, yeah. But and I think this idea of like telling people, you know, uh, what needs to be done in order for this to not happen again. Yeah. yeah. Is quite important. Yeah, yeah, it's quite hard to find to navigate this, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, so we'll move on from your your repair work now. Okay, mm. let's talk about uh, something that I find is very interesting, and uh, which is uh, Coben drums. Mm. Yeah, uh, something that you've started. Just tell us a little bit about Coben drums. Uh, I mean, it's just probably something that we enjoy doing. I think a lot of custom work. I mean. It's fun to be able to, you know, get get the customer or school something that, that they find it's hard to get. Uh yeah, and it's a bit it's fun because the the process of doing it also involves, you know, uh, a lot of man hours to to develop a drum and and to source for certain items that, that accumulates to the sound of the drums. And uh I've constantly been very fascinated with uh, certain drums mm. uh, vintage drums you know it's certain sounds that you're trying to emulate okay uh, that, that you can't get uh, learning how to cut certain uh, uh, angles that, that will affect the sound mm. uh, in your instrument I mean there's, there's so many factors I think uh, learning about that just also uh, helps the repair side of it right because uh, it's kind of like reverse engineering you know if you you, you kind of you you learn how to build something and then when you're actually handling something that's already been built say if it's a, another drum you know and 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 you know the customer's asking oh I want a fatter sound I want a darker tone or you know etc etc you know you, you have options to 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 give to the customer right yeah and um, I absolutely agree with you whatever you said about how going into production would also inform you more about repair. Yeah, and, exactly. and things like that. I, I, absolutely. I think the, the constant uh, constructing and de- deconstructing of instruments will give you a, a yeah. far better insight than anyone else, right? To, to mm. talk about these things and to create Correct. something. Yeah. How come certain drums can cost a few hundred dollars? And how come yep. certain drums can cost, you know, 
10 times, 20 times, 30 times the price? Uh, well, I think material plays a huge part in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, most of the drum, uh, not say most of the drums, there are a lot of drums that are made of wood. Uh, whereas, you know, the kind of wood that's that's being grown in certain countries, say if you're, you know, if you're buying wood that's from Switzerland, you know, those woods are, you know, probably going to cost a lot because everything in Switzerland is expensive. Okay, right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, as compared to, say, buying a wood in, in, in China. Right. Okay. You know, per se. Mm. Uh, and and uh, I think in any custom company, custom drum company, uh, the volumes that we make in terms of the, the, the quantity of, of drums that we make, you know, you know, we can't find very big companies that make in the thousands. Mm. So, I mean, when you go in, in, in the e- e- economics of scale, you know, the 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 major company, the mass production companies, you know, they, they tend to have a, a bigger spending power and therefore, you know, lower cost of the of the drums. Mm. Uh, but materials, materials do play a very huge part. Okay, right. Yeah, and cost. Mm. And now talk about the the difference in materials because I believe you all offer like metal drums, you offer wooden drums, and mm. and they're all, uh, they they obviously affect the sound, and also the yep. looks of the drum, right? So, uh, what 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 would you say are the main uh, characteristic differences between these different materials? Oh, it's uh, it's actually quite a huge, huge, huge within within the wood you know within the wood community you have uh ply drums which which are just being glued mm-hmm. uh layer after layer after layer whereas you know you have uh, solid wood stave which is just from the plank of wood you know being turned into a drum mm-hmm. uh and, and those you know matter a lot because the amount of glue that's being used is either more or lesser mm-hmm. uh but just there, there are very huge factors in 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 the material. The denser the wood, the softer the wood. Okay. The sound is going to be different. Yeah. The way you cut the angles, uh, you know, will affect mm. tremendously. Yeah. yeah. So, so being able to custom, you know, that that gives the the customers a, a little bit of you know, uh, a little bit of personalization. You know that it's mine and and it's the sound that. I'm going for mm. so then that helps quite a bit and I suppose like uh, and correct me if I'm wrong if you are looking at uh, uh, do you call it the the rim of the drum or the body of the drum if it's one solid piece of wood oh the body yeah, of the, the drum, body yeah. Of, yeah if it's one solid piece of wood versus plywood like I said which is glued in many layers yeah the, the one that is one solid piece of wood would tend to have a more even resonance and vibration yep. throughout as compared yep. to the one that is the Correct. plywood. Okay. Yep. Right. And then what about metal bodies? These are this much more piercing or uh yes, they 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 tend to have a bit more cutting edge. Mm. Uh so a lot of uh European orchestras like metal drums. Okay. Uh I think just for the fact that it cuts through the concert hall to the back of the hall. Mm. Uh, in certain repertoire, I'm not saying that they use it for all repertoires. Right. Uh, you know, and 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 of course the the tone is is, is changed by you know the hits that they use, the wires that they use, mm. uh, the sticks that they use, huge. Okay, wow. 
yeah so 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 really 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 too there's there, there so many factors on yeah, yeah, on yeah. on getting the the drum sound to be correct mm-hmm. uh and also the next thing is the the where you're playing it at you know is it a concert hall is it outdoors you know mm. so yeah it, so which is why uh, a lot of people you know don't understand when you know you see classical percussionists you know having a huge backpack and all you open up is all a bunch of bunch of bunch of sticks <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So it all affects you know in the hall the type of instrument. So you want to have those arsenal of 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 sticks prepared. Mm. So you can always be ready for it. Yeah. Whatever sounds that you want to want to play mm. and create, right? What is the next step for the company for Coburn Drums? Is it to continue doing the work? Yeah, we're still doing continue doing the work. I think we wouldn't say that we we reached a very fine process but I mean we're just uh, slowly trying to get better in our processes you know being cleaner in the work that we do getting more colors in mm. getting more designs in as well uh, and a lot of custom work as well so you know we want to be able to support the percussion community and I, I, I love this idea that there's someone there's a local company actually making instruments yeah mm. I just think that it's it's amazing. I think it's fantastic. So good on you on, on studying Oh, this. thank you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it must take a lot of um, courage, right? Or, or I don't know if courage is the right word for you uh, to to start this whole venture because you could start it and then things might completely fall flat on the face. You could start it and then mm. there could be... There, there are bound to be a lot of people talking about like, why is he doing this? Yeah, you know, what, what are you trying to do and things like that. Do, oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Are there, yeah, so to, to shut out all that uh, self-doubt and imposter syndrome and negativity and to just be like, this is what I do. Yeah, I think really good on you. Fantastic. I think at the end of the day, you have to be contented with what, what you have and what you do mm. because I think it's, you know, unless you're trying to reach for world domination you'll never be happy <laughs> yeah right for sure yeah yeah world domination right should be an easy task to do yeah <laughs> so uh yeah. good and now let's talk a little bit about teaching something that you've done mm. uh, over the also over the last couple of years and very intensely in this new format of syf 2021 right mm. so talk to me about band directors telling you that i'm going to send in a percussion ensemble go <laughs> so uh, yeah, well, what, yeah yeah what what is the 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 problems and what is the difficulty that you have faced when people say that to you well i mean i'm actually for it mm. i'm not against it uh it's only hard when there isn't the support for in terms of rehearsal timings mm. uh i mean i've been fortunate to I, at least for this year, I feel, uh, you know, that the schools that, that 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 sent in the percussion ensembles, you know, they have been very supportive in terms of uh, the timings, as in they've been giving more sessions uh, as compared to previous years uh, in terms of the percussion ensembles. And I think it's very good because uh, in terms of percussion playing for percussion ensemble pieces, you, you know, you will never get that kind of level in wind band mm. music. Uh, and you are fully exposed. Yeah. Uh, which means that every instrument is uh, sort of a soloist in that sense. You know, there's no 
and I, I think it's fantastic for for education standpoint. Mm. Yeah, I think I think having that chance to to perform uh, without a band in front of you, it's is very interesting for the kids. Yeah, because you're not yeah. just doing a a, sus- a suspended cymbal role. You're not just playing some bass drum beats or or whatever. Correct. Right. It's yeah. actually yeah yeah you you got melodies you got the rhythmic engine you got the whole package in the group. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like like you said, and it's similarly right for for euphoniums, for example, if you were to shift the euphonium and tuba section and form a tuba euphonium ensemble, the level mm. of music and the level and the demands for each of the this musician gets higher. And yeah. is there a difference between teaching students to go from playing a percussion part in a wind band to playing in a percussion ensemble? Oh, definitely. Uh. Definitely, you we have to be a bit more, you know, need. Uh, we have to be probably we probably have to nitpick a little bit more, mm. uh, because it's just so exposed and the details, uh, have to be there, uh, especially in a competition. Mm. And the level, oh, be like careful you said, with the your, level, your choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you said, right. the level, <laughs> the level of 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 of, of uh, pieces are harder. So, yeah. the percussion ensemble. Uh, part of it being incorporated into the band program, I think it's fantastic. Mm. You know, uh, it's just if they can play all these percussion pieces, you know, when they actually go to the wind band music, you know, and they, and they're looking at at all these things, they actually think about it even more mm. because you know, like you said, you know, a suspended player, suspended cymbal player, you know, would would probably think playing in a wind band. Oh, I'm not that important, you know. It's uh, I'm just playing a suspended role. Mm. Whereas when you're playing in a percussion ensemble that suspended symbol becomes so much more greater and so much more important. And having that thought process, having that student to, to be uh, to be playing that percussion ensemble, to take that experience and putting back into a wind band experience and, you know, the next time they're playing a suspended role, I mean, hopefully, mm. they think about, oh, okay. The texture, I'm right? Actually, yeah, what you're adding. Yeah, I'm actually adding something mm. to, you know, the wind band music so yeah. i think i think it's a fantastic program to have if if they if if the school is supportive of it or mm. if time allows it okay uh, uh have you seen have you had colleagues or have you experienced it yourself where uh, certain schools or band directors say that uh, let's send in a percussion ensemble but they are not equipped enough to play any form of percussion ensemble music and then they keep telling you just make do with it then have, have you heard of such cases not 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 really i think uh like i said i i, I personally haven't had the experience i think right. most of the conductors that i've worked with they you know they, they do value my what i say as well so mm. that, that definitely helps yeah uh uh yeah there are certain schools probably and certain colleagues of mine that, you know that, that probably have a harder time mm. You know, uh, more more so, more. I think most of us as as educators, you know, we we're not against uh people who have no experience. Mm. Yeah, I think we are okay to to teach them even if they are weak weak students. Uh, but it's always hard when you have limited uh number of hours. So I think it's a very it's a huge correlation uh, in regards from the school. Mm. Uh, and having the expectation as when you're having the expectation to to send in a percussion ensemble but you you can't give uh an hour practice a week it's it's almost impossible to do yeah yeah there's the yeah. support right that comes together with one thing yeah. to put something up 
Yeah. Yeah. And what are some of the common playing issues that you see in students for drums and uh, percussion in general? Oh, probably very weak, weak fundamentals. Uh, I mean, I, I say that from personal experience as well. I mean, uh, you know, have now, now we're in the era where, you know, we have so many tutors and every school pretty much has, you know, uh, either a wind, brass or percussion tutor. Mm. Uh, however, you know, uh, the level of, the level of playing, uh, I would say that uh, it's, you know, either similar or, or pretty stagnant still, you know, back into, as compared to back when we, our time where, you know, there was really no tutors and, mm. and whatsoever we're learning from our seniors and, and uh, even, after I graduated from secondary school, you know, I found that actually a lot of my fundamentals were were not there. Mm. So, you know, I had to rework on them and and, and and get better on them. And and it's it's funny because now now that you actually have tutors in in, in schools and stuff like that, you know, uh, there really isn't very strong uh, fundamentals in, in percussion students mm. still. So uh, maybe it's the time that's allocated for it, you yeah. know, uh, it's not there. So, but but uh, I mean, the plus point is, um, with this uh, sudden increase of percussion ensembles and and people are a bit more open to this idea. I know, hopefully, you know, we get better at it because, uh, yeah, I mean, in countries like the US or or Europe per se, you know, the very young kids are very heavily involved in marching bands and 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 they really build on from fundamentals mm. you know so and, and because they are brought aside as a percussion group on their own to start off i guess you know we can often say that the percussion section in the wind band is often neglected mm. right i would say the same thing for when i was in the uk when i was playing in brass bands as well it's exactly the same uh, yeah. yeah you get i mean i, I cannot imagine being there for a full three hours rehearsal and to play sometimes probably le- less yeah. than half the rehearsal is exactly yeah, a little bit ridiculous. So uh, I can't say I completely understand, but I can definitely <laughs> understand the frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Now, um, let's talk about the, the jazz music scene in Singapore. Uh, something yeah. that I, I believe you've been a part of for many number of years. And mm. from someone looking into the jazz scene in Singapore, it seems like over the last couple of years, things have gotten a lot more vibrant. Uh, there seems yep. to be more things yes. happening, uh, mm. more projects, more ensembles. So uh, for you, someone that has been in this sort of jazz scene for a number of years, how has the jazz scene in Singapore developed over the last few years? Well, I think it's been very good because, uh, you know, back when I was in school, uh, there probably wasn't any like saxophone players nor trumpet players that were really interested in picking up jazz. Uh, but now, now it's now it's huge. Now there's so many more instrumentalists, uh, even string bass players. You know, mm. back when I was in school, there's probably only one or two, and they have to play for every single ensemble. Yeah. Okay. So so I think I think the it is slowly getting into the schools more. Mm-hmm. You know, people are more aware of it. 
Yep. And and I think it's fantastic as an education standpoint because uh the big issue that I always had back last last time was when when people would say that, you know, I don't like jazz. Mm. Uh but the problem was that uh why would you say that mm. when when you don't you haven't experienced it? Yeah. It's pretty much unfamiliarity, right? I don't know it's jazz, correct. So, therefore I don't like correct, jazz. Therefore I don't like yeah. it. So yeah. exactly. So I think uh with the schools now being more involved and, and, and I guess social media and, and you know, within the local market, people are like, Oh, you know, this guy plays saxophone or this guy plays trumpet and oh improvisation, that's pretty interesting. I think I might pick it up. Mm. You know, and, and also there's definitely more support, you know, and there's more publicity in terms of, of the jazz scene and stuff and more gigs going on. So I think people are more aware of it. Right. And they say, oh, I think I think I might just give it a try. Mm. Uh, and, and that trying just does quit to, you know, them being uh, interested in the music. Yep. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think mm. that's very important. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think jazz is, uh, it's really working another set of muscles. That's how I see it. It's like, there are certain things that you can bring over from your classical training, but you have to rethink yep. about the music in a in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. how you approach it and how you react to it and, and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. And so now if uh, a young musician now comes up to you and tell you, Ben, uh, I'm I want to get into jazz playing, right? Let's say percussion or, or whatever instrument, right? Uh, do you have particular advice for them? Do you have any books? Uh, maybe for you, books will be more percussion related that they can look into that, yeah, this is a good start for you and go through some of the exercises here and things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely, I would say uh, in any case, there's really lots of correlation from classical percussion uh, and, and drum set playing. Mm. Uh, just because fun, fundament, fundamentals is the same. As in, in terms of uh, hand technique, mm. uh, you know, we, we're still learning the same kind of, we're learning the same rudiments, uh, you know, on both ends. And uh, I would say from one end, from, from a jazz musician standpoint, is that, you know, you, you cannot forego the, the, the things that, that you learn in, in classical, mm. uh, where it's the rudiments, because it's, it's, it's very relatable in terms of uh, your jazz playing as well. Mm. Right and 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 likewise in classical playing, you know, having to to once you actually understand all these chops, how how to apply it in terms of like, you know, orchestration, improvisation. So there's a lot of learning curves on both ends. Uh, I feel, uh, mm. yeah, being able to 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 try out both ends and and get used to it. But I would say that the fundamentals are probably very important because. Uh, like any anybody who who you know if you're a trumpet player and you're saying, oh, I want to pick up jazz, but I don't know my C major scale, mm. then then you'll probably just tell them to to work on on those <laughs> yeah. fundamentals first before for for anything else. Mm. Right. Yeah. Cool stuff, and that's I think all, about all the time that we have, Ben. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for for chatting with me. No, thanks for having me on board. Uh, it's been fun yep. to just learn about uh, what you do and how you think about music and the work that you do. I'll, I'll now remember 
that you are a fan of rugby, not football. So I will not get, <laughs> I will not get that uh, <laughs> uh, mixed up anymore. And meanwhile, stay safe. Uh, hopefully, you too, you too. Uh, all things are good on your end as we approach this next month of slightly uh, tougher and stricter restrictions. Yep. Yeah. So thank you once again, Ben, from uh, for coming on to the show. Uh, for all of you listening, thank you for staying with us throughout this episode. And most importantly, thank you for your attention. And with that, we will sign off on this episode of You Play A What. You have been listening to You Play A What, hosted by Vincent Tan. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. The theme music for the podcast is entitled Midnight Affairs and is composed by Algirdas Matonis and recorded by Vincent Tan. Thank you so much for listening to You Play or What? Until next time. Thank you.